0: Time to talk about the 53-man roster, Alex. Pre-training camp 53-man roster predictions from us. Are we going to be entirely right? Probably not. Are we going to get a few right? Yes. Uh, But what it is is going to be an absolutely fun conversation. People want to bet
1: we get the quarterback position, right, Ant? It's going to be really hard to screw that one. It's going to be really hard. Also, Uh, that that and special teams. I do want to knock on wood because you never know with injuries. You know, stuff happens sometimes, and... That may change some things, but there's some there's some, there's some, some different stuff going on. What happened to your snowsuit?
0: <laughs> I think he's referring it's to the because beanie. because of the beanie. Yeah. It was
1: the Jimmy beanie. Oh, <laughs> it was the Jimmy beanie. It was for Jim. It was for big time Jimmy Jim, Jim. Because he's, he's gone most likely at some point. Who knows?
0: Luke Luna was uh, very excited about your outfit as well. He did like the fit. He was just wondering... How you weren't burning up because of the I'm, heat I'm, outside? I'm
1: weird. Is the key. I, 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 Megan can can confirm this if, if, in chat or you know whenever or I mean shoot. I think you can even confirm this as well. I I, I do weird stuff. I'll wear long sleeves during the summer. I will wear shorts when it's pouring down, pissing down rain outside. And when I go back to Indiana and visit her family, uh, I will wear tank tops when it's snowing. That's true. So yeah, just odd. Just yeah. an odd cat. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Tcc. Uh, look, hit the like button though, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, if you're new here, and you're excited, and also start leaving some of your pre-training Camp 53-man roster predictions down in the comment section, because maybe we can have some good conversations. I imagine not everyone is going to agree with us. No. Uh, and like you said, we're not going to get all of these right, but no. hopefully we get some of them, just a few of
0: them, right, at least? Yeah, we just have to be right a little bit more than we're wrong, right? That's I mean, it. that's the that's the key. Uh, and and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna try to predict these the best way we can without seeing anything that has happened, you know, in training camp. But this is why it's a part of being the pre fifty three man. From just on paper, what it looks like, we all know this roster is not going to be constituted by just what's on paper. These guys are gonna have to go out there and prove it. And on Wednesday, that's when they get started to proving it. So right now, this is a fun conversation to see how close we can get. Because it's all about building to that 53-man roster. It's all building towards Project 53. Uh, and I'm excited about this because there's a lot of positions. And we've been talking about the position battles for a, about six weeks now, Alex. And now it's all going to come to a head at training camp. But who do we think is going to win these position battles? Because sometimes we left a little nugget out there. We didn't really come to a full agreement on it.
1: Not always, But for the most part, I think you and I both feel very similarly about this roster and how they're going to constitute it. Maybe we feel differently about how many guys they keep, and that may fluctuate certain positions in terms of who's the odd man in, right? Who's the last four out on that bubble? Who's the first four in on said bubble? If we were doing some sort of a phenomenal you know, NCAA tournament bracket breakdown show or something like that. But reality is, at the end of the day, Ant, we feel very comfortable with these guys and where they're at. Um, What are the news about Shanahan at the TK show?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Yeah, Pedro, give us a little bit more information on that. I haven't heard anything about this. Nothing. Um, So if you'll give us a little bit more information, we'll gladly get into it.
1: Uh, Absolutely, gladly get into it. But look, let's, uh, and Big Papa, by the way, no, not, not the COVID. Never. never I had the COVID way back in 2019. That's it. No, no COVID since. Um, and let's start with quarterbacks. Yeah. First and foremost, these are the big ones. And this is the, the big key here, the quarterback position, what it could look like. Um, we have down here, Trey Lance and Nate Sudfeld. These seem like the odds on favorite. Are you sold on this with all the Jimmy Garoppolo news coming out? Everything that's happening. Are you sold on this Is the quarterback situation? Or could this change?
0: Yeah, I'm not sold on it, but this is the most likely, I think, from everything that's happened during the offseason. Trey Lance is going to be quarterback one. That's the one thing I'm really confident about. And then after that, less confident because Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is on this roster, he is the second best quarterback on this team. I and he's really close to the first quarterback. I mean, that's how good he is. Uh, so I think that right now it's going to be Nate Sudfeld. But that all hinges on the fact that of Jimmy Garoppolo not being on this roster when we get to August 30th. And if he is, uh then it could be Nate Sudfeld that's not on the roster with Jimmy Garoppolo being the backup. But right now I would have to go with this.
1: Look, I think this is the most likely scenario. I agree with you on this and this is the more plausible situation. This is these are the two most Two most likely names that at the end of training camp, these are the guys that you're rolling with. These are the guys that are going to be available for you to be rolling with on your roster for them to be the quarterbacks going into the season, to be operating your offense, operating your system, doing whatever it is that Kyle Shanahan asked them to do. That being said, it's not over till it's over. The fat lady has not sung. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a member of the San Francisco 49ers, and until he's not, he is at the very least quarterback 2 and at at best he's quarterback 1 i mean that's the reality that's that's where he falls in this this tandem it's it's Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo you can put them in whatever order that you like if you like Jimmy better fine if you like Trey's upside better and and what you think he can be and add to the system then fine put him in whatever order you want but at the end of the day he's one of the best two quarterbacks on this roster and if you're not moving off of him then he's here and Nate Sudfeld is gone and that's the replacement piece there and and Buckle up, Forty dollars <laughs> So that happens, Ant. Um, yeah. I don't know how likely it is. I, there was a time where I was like 80% sure he was gone, and then I was like 50% sure that he was gone. It was like a 50-50. And now I'm kind of leaning towards like 65% sure right. that he's gone, but that's still not that great of odds. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with this?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You just don't know. So until then, you're just kind of going out there on a limb and yep. – just trying to read the tea leaves of what the 49ers have been saying, what they've been doing, and it just appears that right now they, since you know, since it's the direction that they went with, they gave Nate Solder so much guaranteed money, uh, two million dollars, that you would think he's going to end up being the backup quarterback. But if Jimmy's on this roster, you know, getting close to August 30th, I will be surprised if he's not on this roster all the way because that means the 49ers didn't get enough value in trade
1: uh no not not at all so we'll see we'll see what ends up happening we'll see if that ends up actually playing out the way 49ers fans envisioned it Kyle Shanahan envisioned it John Lynch it's obviously not exactly the way they envisioned it but hopefully they're able to salvage that situation and get enough out of it to uh maybe make this quarterback situation less controversial and less uh toxic I guess is is the right way to put it and and more streamlined and uh Behind your young quarterback that you took a third overall, uh, just just a little over a year ago, Ant. Uh, let's move on to running backs, though. The running back position, because there's a lot of names, Ant. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of guys in that room, from TDP to Elijah Mitchell to Trey Sermon, Jamichael hasty Jeff Wilson Jr. to to newbies and newcomers and guys like Jordan Mason, who a lot of fans are starting to fall in love with. Let's pull that list up, Ant. How do you feel about that list? And do you think that's the reality here with those four running backs and Kyle you Cause I don't think there's any world in which Kyle you is not on this list.
0: No, I think it is. I think the running back room is constituted of five guys. And these are the five guys, of course, Kyle you the fullback, but then Elijah Mitchell is the number one. I think, well, it's really clear who number one running back is in San Francisco, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. And then after that, you've got two third round picks who they're not going to give up on yet. And then first off, tight price hasn't even got a chance to prove it, but he's going to be somebody that makes a lot of, you know, big plays on third and short in the goal on the goal line situations in the red zone. Uh, so I think he's going to have an opportunity. And then, Of course, Jeff Wilson Jr., I believe, is going to win the third down back roll. And if he wins the third down back roll, that means Jamichael Hasty's not going to quite make this team. Now, everyone has been super excited about Jordan Mason, and I like Jordan Mason, too. I just think it's going to be really difficult for him to be able to go ahead and make this roster right now. I think he'll end up on the 49ers practice squad as long as nobody claims him. And then at (laughs) some point, he could make an impact on this team. But I believe this is just the best way right now for the 49 to build it. There are more conversations coming out that they're talking about running back by committee. and, And that makes sense when you have running backs that are similar in style as some of these guys are, but also have the ability to convert in certain situations. I think Kyle got a nice eclectic group, and he's going to use them to the best of their skill sets, allow them to be used.
1: It's true. Um, look, I think running back wise, right? Elijah Mitchell, like you said, obviously RB one. Kyle Juszczyk, fullback one. There's no questions there. You're not keeping more than one fullback. ant in a shocking twist and turn yeah. of events, um, and then look, Ty Davis Price and Jeff Wilson Jr. I think are the next two men up that that I feel the most comfortable with. That's only because of what Jeff Wilson Jr. has done in the past, but it's going to come down to health for him. Uh, that's the reality. Uh, and then Trey Sermon is battling it out with with Jeff Wilson as well as Jamichael Hasty in terms of who's going to be that third down guy, who's going to have that role and kind of play in that role. But you're right, Uh, running back by committee seems like what we're moving towards now this upcoming season. 2020 felt like you moved a little bit away from that and all the injuries settled in. 2021 you tried to show yourself up, but you had a plethora of injuries and now you've really gone full swing back almost to that 2019 sort of running back by by committee where you have a handful of guys you feel really good with. Um, Shanahan felt good about Raheem Mostert, but a lot of people didn't necessarily feel the same way in 2019. He absolutely loved what Matt Rita was. He absolutely loved what... uh, Oh man, why am I blanking on this now? Ke- Tevin Coleman was doing for San Francisco as well at that time. He loved the names that he had in the room. The difference, I think, between that 2019 room and what you have right now in this running back room is, like you said, guys who do similar stuff. Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis, Price, and Jeff Wilson Jr. have very similar running styles. The odd man out in that group is honestly Trey Sermon.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know, and I, I gotta I gotta go to chat because Pablo or Pedro Paolo has completely uh, cleared up that whole situation. What he was talking about earlier, he said Shannon said Lance will be making. Or will be like Jimmy G in 2019. Play along with the running game. He will not be asked to do too much. Sure. Then said about Jimmy G, we had an awesome run with Jimmy. It was great. But when you have a salary cap, this is a decision we made last year. And Jimmy uh, gave Trey this year we thought he needed. Uh, so it, it seems that they, you know, it's kind of clearing up a few things, of course. It seems the Forty ers are going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's surprising anyone. Uh, or the fact that Trey Lance is going to be running a run-first system uh, I'm it, for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. I think this is kind of what everyone anticipated. Uh, but part of the reason he's going to be able to be run-first is because of these running backs that are going to make the team and the ability that they have to do the things that they do. So uh, I'm excited about it. I do like the Ty Davis Price edition because I think – The conversions on third and short and fourth and short have been a problem for the 49ers uh, for a few years, especially when they had their speed backs. They didn't have guys that could just power and get those first downs. Now they have physical uh, guys who can go ahead and get it done and can win after contact. I think that's really important.
1: Extremely important. Um, And look, Pedro, those comments are phenomenal from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Number one, phenomenal in the sense of clarity. Yeah. Uh, Gives some clarity to fans and the team in terms of what the what the plan is and was, um, number number one. Number two, and, and the most important, um, is understanding why the decision is being made. The the Not the clarity, but the description as to why the decision is being made. Right? Why are you moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, you have a salary cap. You have tough decisions to make. You have a roster that you need to build now and in the future. And Jimmy's money makes it hard to do. And we believe Trey can do what Jimmy did in 2019. Okay, so based on logical thought processes, right? Quarterback who can go in, execute the run game, get you in and out of your right calls in the run game, and then deal when he needs to as a passer and not being asked to do a lot with his arm, but do enough. Well, okay. You got a young guy who's talented, big cannon arm. He can do those things. Well, great. Then let's save the money, right? Let's get the young guy in there have the growing pains that we have with him. Much like we had with Jimmy early on his time there and and see what happens. And hopefully your defense is strong enough and your run game sound enough that you can get that done. That also being said, it gives you a lot of clarity into what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch thought about, Trey, right? Jimmy gave him the year he needed. He wasn't ready when he first came out. Yeah. One of the biggest concerns, well, I don't want to say most people, I will say the biggest concern I had at this table was Trey not being ready when he first came out. Now, I went crazy and said three years potentially, but a year was, like, if it's a year and then he goes, like, and this is a great great pick at this situation right yeah You don't have to give up that much in order to move up
0: yeah and let's uh, I mean I want to listen to these comments and that way I can get a, a you know a real clear because I like to hear like the inflection of the voice and everything but, do, do his eyes light up yeah. when he was talking about Trey but I mean if he's saying we're gonna get a 2019 version of Jimmy Garoppolo from Trey Lance that was good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, if should gonna, have won, he was super Yeah, big. if you're going to add the addition of the legs to be able to run and create outside the pocket, it could be enough to get the Niners over the top. That's some really cool uh, comments. I, I hope that I can listen to him and get that same reaction because that would make me really happy. I'm just going to be walking around smiling all day if that's the case.
1: True. Uh, Shannon said he expects to see Garoppolo at tomorrow's physical, but isn't sure after that. Said this all should be resolved soon.
0: Uh, that's a, that's a big time interview. I'm going to definitely have to listen. To I'm going to
1: definitely yeah. have to listen to this too, because I saw this morning as well, a couple of different people talking about and reporting. And I saw McAfee bringing this up and mentioned this as well, that Atlanta now is in the conversation for Jimmy Garoppolo. Something I had mentioned to you when we first started talking yeah. about this being, I didn't understand how Atlanta could be that confident in Marcus Mariota and Riddler Gritter going into the season. I know they're in a rebuild. I understand that. But at the end of the day, you're not going to trot, trot, trot out a guy who cannot execute your offense and do anything for your offense to function at all. You have to have someone who can go out there and do something. And those two guys are completely unproven. Mariota has done some good things, but since the shoulder injury and the arm injury has really not done a whole lot.
0: agree to disagree because okay. you need to lose and you need to lose royally if you want to get a big-time draft pick to play True. quarterback. Uh, unless you think Jimmy Garoppolo could be the long-term answer. If you believe Jimmy Garoppolo can be the long-term answer in Atlanta, then you go ahead and make the move, see what you can do with the team. But if not, you might just take yourself out of an opportunity to pick first overall, second overall. No, go take your lumps, go lose to Tom Brady, go lose to Baker Mayfield, and just take it.
1: But couldn't you still lose with Jimmy Garoppolo and just have a slightly more competitive team
0: yeah you could and then all of a sudden you're not getting the number one quarterback or the number two, two quarterback and you're paying him 25 million dollars true ah i just don't know i just don't know hey atlanta <laughs> listen
1: <laughs> it just made all of the logical points as to why you shouldn't do it i yeah. want you to disregard all of those things and then trade us a second round pick
0: yeah and one thing before we move on is dan Silio did come out over the weekend true. and say that his he had heard Atlanta Falcons had offered a two and a five for Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, they have no five in 2023, which means it would have to be a 2024 fifth, which probably means it's a conditional pick. Uh, So we'll see if that comes to light. But then Dan Silio also said he was going to get traded to Tampa Bay. So
1: Yikes. In other words, yikes. And Siggy, I heard it was a very simple surgery. I would bet he's throwing already. Yeah, he's been throwing actually for about a month now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So yeah, he's already back and doing stuff. So physical should all go well. Uh, I said Riddler. I don't know. I might've said Riddler. Um, uh, <laughs> Batman's always fun. I mean, who, who doesn't enjoy the Batman there? Uh, who doesn't enjoy the Batman there, Donald? Uh, look, let's move on from running backs though. And cause that running back room is stout and it, it's going to be the thing that Trey Lance leans on and that Kyle is going to have this team lean on in a shocking turn of events. And they want run first guys so they can uh, on the o line so they can run the football effectively. And they have a bunch of those dudes and they have a bunch of those gentlemen, but the wide receiver room should also help Trey play to his strengths and these are the five names that we have currently down on the board and the the pre-training camp 53-man roster prediction. I love every single one of those names, and you and I have said this, I think, from the start, that it feels like it's these five names, only these five names, and there's really no other options barring injury.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think we've been pretty clear on this the entire time that we think it's going to be these five wide receivers. I don't think there's any other situation where they keep a six unless it's for uh, special teams. And I just don't think, I think they got players in other areas that they can use on special teams. I think these are the five wide receivers, minus them bringing in somebody with a tremendous uh, ability to come in here and maybe stretch the field or something like that. I I just don't think they go beyond five and five allows them to keep, you know, uh, other players at other positions, which, you know, they're going to have to do because when it comes down to it, 49 are about trench warfare and keeping the maximum amount of players they can keep on the offensive line and defensive line is going to be so important. And beyond these five guys, who's going to get playing time. I just don't think you can do it, especially when you have a big time playmaker at tight end, like George Kittle. Now
1: with George Kittle mixed, mixed in with this, right? I mean, you can really throw George Kittle into this mix of wide receivers and you have six, You have six guys who play like a wide receiver out there in space. Um, What Debo does for your offense, what Brandon can do for your offense, what Jennings showed he can do in your offense on top of George Kittle. And then you added in the two speed guys in Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray, who you're hoping can do a better job of filling that Kendrick Bourne-esque, that, uh, Travis Benjamin-esque role that we saw that Trent Sherfield role that we saw last year yeah. at a higher level. You're hoping these guys can be it. And you're also hoping Ray Ray McLeod can add a little bit of what Brandon Ayuk did in year one. What Debo has done the last few years, running the ball out of the backfield as well. There's just not a lot of room for anyone else. And unless someone else on this roster has top end speed and size to make Ray, Ray McLeod and Danny Gray completely useless both of those guys are making this roster and these are the five names you're going to have.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think we're, this one was one of the easiest positions actually to, I didn't have to think of it like yeah, much at all to come into agreement with. I think this was, you know, I, there's all other positions where there's a lot of contentious conversation and you're having to walk away from players that you really don't want to wa- walk away from. But When it comes down to it, I don't think wide receivers, one of those positions.
1: True. Um, as for the comments earlier, Jess, you are right there. Batman is a friend of the pod. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> this or not um green bay uh it's the san francisco green bay game preview show and game preview show uh, all the way back in 2020 uh, it's the 2020 game preview show season one you can find it in the season one playlist somewhere in there uh batman does make an appearance on the pod
0: yeah he does yeah it's, it's, it's it was a very interesting time
1: yeah oh uh, scary yeah uh, we sent me to sent me to wisconsin to uh report live from lambeau field and uh things went absolutely haywire man it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it made for a good lock it up segment. It was a great lock it up yeah. segment. I'll
1: tell you what. Uh, scary before that, but uh, post being saved by Batman, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful after that. Uh, look from the wide receiver position to the tight ends who we had just brought up and mentioned. And, and by the way, Pedro Paolo just subscribed. So, Pedro.
0: Oh, welcome, Pedro. Welcome Thank you the, so much.
1: Yeah, awesome, man. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's get to the tight ends. Uh, tight ends. This one... A little different. People feel a lot of ways about the tight end room. I think there's a lot of ways to craft this thing. There's a lot of ways yeah. to set this thing up. Why these three and why are, why are we feeling this way? Cause we both feel these are the best three guys on the roster at this moment.
0: Yeah. We've been talking about tight ends for a couple years now and, and bringing, you know, that depth that behind George Kittle up to a higher level. And the 49ers definitely made a concerted effort this year. Last year, it was all about Michael Pruitt. True. Uh, Michael Pruitt didn't work out, uh, but this year it's a better Charlie Warner. And now they add in Tyler Croft, They have a lot of competition, but Croft is a guy that we've seen be able to create in the red zone. He's a guy that can block. He's a guy that can do it all. And so when you have a guy that has that versatility, now you no longer know exactly what that tight end is going to do. Because when Charlie Warner was on the field in 2021... He was blocking. If you got Ross Dwelly on the field, it was probably a pass. You don't want those situations to happen anymore. And now with Tyler Croft out there, it could be a run. It could be a pass. That flexibility is going to be really good for this offense. And then I think Charlie Warner is going to have more advancement in his receiving game and his skills. I think he's going to take a step forward. This could be the best tight end room that the 49ers have had under Kyle Shanahan. And that's saying a lot because when they had Jordan Reed, I thought that was going to be the most talented. They kept four that year. But once again, it was the same thing. You put Jordan Reed out in the slot, power slot, helps you as a receiver, but you know he's not blocking. And that was one of those problems with that tight end room. So this could be one of those ones where you're just not sure what each one of these guys do. And that's good because we know Kittle, unfortunately, is probably going to miss one or two games uh, because of injury. Because he just plays so dang tough.
1: Uh, Yeah, man. He, he has no off switch. He has no, uh, no. slowdown meter. Um, he is someone who has taken the knob and turned it to 20, even though there's only a volume of 10 <laughs> and then ripped off said knobs. So you can't turn it down. He just doesn't have any other speed than full speed. Um, and look, if Kyle, Kyle Shanahan just said it as Pedro brought up earlier, <clears throat> run heavy offense, Trey Lance going to lean and rely on that run game and pass when necessary. If you're going to do that, then why is it anyone but these three names? These are the best three blockers that you have on the roster. And I haven't seen Tyler Croft block in the system. And I can tell you that he's the next best blocker after Charlie Warner. That's the reality of the situation. He may be better than Charlie Warner. He has to prove that though. You have to go out there and yeah. show it. He's a better receiving option than Charlie Warner. I would agree. Yes, because I've seen Tyler Croft operate as a receiving threat and yeah. I've seen Charlie Warner operate as a receiving threat. That being said, Ross Dwelly is not that guy. People have talked about, I've heard some people comment about Tyler Croft. Well, he's fallen off since his big year. He hasn't been as healthy as as maybe he should have, and he's definitely taken a step back. His step back is still better than any step forwards that Ross Dwelly has ever made. Ross Dwelly's regression has been extremely noticeable and went from he was the number two tight end to easily the number three and completely useless to San Francisco last year. The only time he went into football games is if George Kittle was not healthy. That's it.
0: Yeah, they definitely uh, changed the role of Ross Dwelly. I mean, Ross Dwelly in 2019, I mean, that guy I thought was ascending. I mean, that Ross Dwelly, I was thinking, man, we've got a very, very good, uh, you know, tight end behind George Kittle. He can come in, do the things you need. You're only looking for one more, right? You're just looking for someone
1: behind Dwelly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And when he's playing fullback, you know, doing those things, showing a lot of versatility, it was nice. Since then, his role has changed. And overall, he hasn't had the opportunities. A lot of that is the blocking fell off a little bit. Um, we'll see if he can turn that around. We, he knows he's in an, in a battle this year. He's not showing up and got one guy to beat in Michael Pruitt. He's got a lot of guys to beat because they brought in Tanner Hudson and and Troy Fumagalli. They still have uh, Jordan Matthews. This is a very tough room, and I think it's going to be a lot of talented guys out there going out there to compete. And that's good. The Forty yards insulated themselves to make sure that they're going to have three solid tight ends this year. So I'm excited. They're probably the most excited I've been about the tight end room in a long time. I mean, we know what we got with with Kittle, but after that, there's been question marks. And I think the 49ers are finally figuring it out.
1: Agreed. And Tyler Croft was a name that I wanted the Niners to address and bring in to help, you know, make the competition elevate a little bit because he's a little bit more balanced option between Kittle and Warner whereas Kittle is great at both. Uh, Warner is a little more swayed towards the other, and Dwelly was swayed the other direction, right? They were polar opposites of each other. Tyler Groft is the middle ground, the bridge between Warner and Kittle, and I think having that bridge option and a guy who can do a multitude of things kind of disguises and hides your hand a little bit as well in terms of what you want to do, because when Kittle goes down, you can insert Croft as tight end one, keep Charlie Warner in his same spot, and you are going to lose something in the receiving game, not having George Kittle, and you're going to lose something in the blocking game but at least it's not going to fall off of a cliff one way or the other. And it's just a downgrade, that's all.
0: Yeah, and I honestly fully expect uh, Ross Duelli to have the best camp he's had in a long time. Agreed. I fully expect this entire room to just be an absolute... Crazy good competition. I'm, I'm excited to watch it because I think these guys know that it's a wide open spot. And with Shanahan saying the things that he said at the State of the Franchise about no one's guaranteed a roster spot behind George, uh, that anyone is up. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a notice on you, Charlie Warner. That's a notice on you, Ross Dwelly. You guys got to go out there and compete because we got a lot of talented football players. And the fact that they got guys like Croft and Fumagalli who are absolutely gigantic. I mean, those guys yeah. are, are six foot five Plus. <clears throat> And, you know, 250 pounds plus, they can move people around. They're aggressive. And both of them were highly touted coming out. So I think that they're going to provide a lot of competition. I'm excited about this room.
1: Fumagalli is just an interesting one because, you know, we haven't got to see a lot of him. And I haven't watched no. a lot of film on him. So I don't I don't know. That being said, uh, before Michael Pruitt got to camp last year, I hadn't watched a lot of Michael Pruitt film. That's but, true. Me By either. the time we got there, it was like, we watched a little bit of film and like what we saw. And then we got to see him do some things in person. And it was like, okay, Cool. And then he got hurt, and we saw him around right on the sidelines and some of the stuff he was doing, it's like, you can tell the athleticism is there. It's just, yeah. is this guy ever going to put it together? He did it in San Francisco. He goes back to Tennessee, and it has himself won heck of a campaign in 2021. It's like, that, that could have been us. That could have been us. So I'm excited to see what it could be this year, because they have addressed this tight end room and definitely ramped up the competition level, uh, which was needed. It was necessary. This tight end room, other than George Kittle, was getting a little stagnant.
0: Yeah. I, I like the moves that they made, and they're gonna keep three, and it's gonna probably be Kittle, Warner, and Croft.
1: Uh, Very, very true, Ant. And now, oh my, what is it, what is it?
0: Gary, could Nick Zakel become our tight end, too? No. Gary loves Nick Zakel.
1: I love Nick Zakel's too. Does he love him right. more than you, though? That's the question.
0: I think Gary loves him more than me. That's and impressive. Because I, I, I like him playing interior offensive line as a guard or center. I prefer him to play center, but Gary will will take Nick Zakel anywhere. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say Gary is the leader of the fan club. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely there waving a flag.
1: So he's the leader of the NZ the the NZ fan club.
0: Yeah, yeah there you go. All right,
1: all right, the NZ fan club by Gary. Coming to, uh, coming to a chat near you, guys. Uh, absolutely wonderful. Let's talk about the O-line, because these are the gentlemen we're thinking it can be. And Gary, I don't know if you have noticed this right there at the bottom. There is a Nick Zakelge sighting. Very well could be the case. And that's how many? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten offensive linemen there. The Niners keeping ten. Nine. Is it nine? Yeah. Did I, did I, did I count one, three? Yeah. Six, seven, eight. You're right. It is nine. Nine offensive linemen.
0: That scared not me it. for a second. I thought I had an extra guy. I, I, I thought I, I thought
1: there was a tenth guy <laughs> there. That surprised me because I remember pre show notes looking at things and being like, oh, nine guys. Yeah, those are the nine that I feel good about too, yeah. as well. And then I kind of 10, I was like, did I miss it? No, oh, it's fine. Nine guys there. Uh, obviously, at the top of the list, there Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, Mr. Corey. We get it. You don't think Mike McGlinchey is that solid in that set, but a healthy Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams are the the two best gentlemen here at your tackle, your bookend guys. Those are your starters going into the season no matter what.
0: Yeah, and Aaron Banks and Daniel Brunskill are probably going to be the guards. Now, one thing I heard over the weekend, and Akash was putting it on Twitter, I don't know if this is confirmed, if this is true or what, there are rumors that Daniel Brunskill may start on the pup list. Uh, If Daniel Daniel Brunskill starts on the pup list, this could change a little bit where the 49ers keep eight, are able to keep an extra defensive lineman and then bring Brunskill back later. But if that happens, they'll create a competition at the right guard spot between Jalen Moore and Spencer Burford. Uh, So that would be very interesting. But, yeah, there was no questions about Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. They're going to be your bookend tackles. I didn't think there was much conversation that needed to go into them. Uh, But with Banks, I think he is the guy unless he falls off. And if he falls off uh, and is not able to do better than he was doing last year, Right now, it would appear the guys behind him would be Jalen Moore and Nick Zakel because that's where Zakel's been taking snaps. Uh, so that would make for an interesting room, but I think Banks is going to secure his spot. So questions about Brunskill, keep it open, and we know we got questions about Jake Brendel.
1: Oh, always going to be questions about Jake Brendel. Look, the reality is we don't know what Jake Brendel is, but this list is solid there. The, those first four names, and are your first four guys. Those are your first four in. Those are the guys you're most comfortable with. Um, Aaron Banks, maybe less so than the rest of them, just because it's unproven, it's unshown yeah. in-game with this team, but the development seems to be there. There was definitely improvement from from the early portions of preseason and uh, through the season because he went from not on the active roster and just kind of being a healthy scratch for most games to being on the roster and not a healthy scratch come the playoffs. So that would usually signal that, Hey, we're getting to a better spot. We've seen Jalen Moore take snaps for the San Francisco 49ers. So we have an idea of what that looks like. Um, Spencer Burford and Nick Sakels, less, less of an opportunity to see snaps with them, obviously with this team, because they just drafted them. But yeah. the reality is, is that you took the, these two guys in this upcoming draft because you haven't necessarily seen what you needed to see out of a Justin Skule, out of a Colton McKibbitts. Colton McKibbitts got cut last year for Tom Compton, for God's sakes. So if if it's crazy saying that now, because we know what Tom Compton did for during the season, but at the yeah. time it was like Tom freaking Compton over Colton McKibbitts. It doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. But the reality is, is the Niners haven't seen what they've wanted to see out of those gentlemen. So you took the guys you took. You took Burford. You took Sakelj, and you're hoping those guys can push and make those spots. And I think as of right now, they're going to have every opportunity, Ant, to make this roster and bump out a guy like Justin Skuil and make him make him expendable for this team going
0: forward. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that uh, Pedro's asking is who's going to start at center, and that's why Jake Brendel's right in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. I, I think a uh, uh, Brendel not winning that center spot means he might not make this roster. I think it's going to be one of those difficult things, um, but I don't think they want to start one of these young guys. I think they want it to be a guy that's got some experience. If Jalen Moore was ready to start a guard, you would throw Daniel Brunskill into that mix. Brunskill versus Brendel to see who could start at center, uh, because I do think they want these other guys to get you know reps and learn But I mean, without that, Brendel might not be on this roster. If Brunskill was to win this position, they could decide to have one of these young guys be a backup and they could move on. So this is going to be an interesting battle. The interior offensive line, I think, is where all the discussion is going to be. But that's why Colton McKivitz is a key veteran to possibly keep on this team. Not only can he be a swing tackle and play either side, what he's done, but he can also play both interior guard spots, which makes him... You know, have an opportunity to beat out Justin Skuel for that spot because I don't think they want to lose the young guys. Jalen Moore, number one, has an opportunity to start. True. Um, but second of all, he's another guy that played a lot of snaps at tackle, at guard, all throughout practice, even in games. So they have an idea of what he can do at the NFL level. And then you just can't give up on Spencer Burford or Nick Sakel. Those guys could be a future starter for your team. You're not going to let them get picked up by somebody else. Uh, so you got to keep them on this roster. So that's why. These nine guys kind of make the most sense.
1: Uh, They they do. They really do. So here's the question I have for you. Okay. If in a world where Daniel Brunskill is healthy, Jalen Moore wins that right guard spot and they compete for the center spot and Daniel Brunskill wins the center job, he beats out Jake Brendel. You drop out Jake Brendel. Are you adding in another lineman? Does this now give Justin Skill a better opportunity to make this team or are you rolling into the year with eight guys and keeping an extra D lineman?
0: Yeah, I think it's how how comfortable do I feel, too, about Daniel Brunskill's injuries. If he's fully over it, I might be willing to move on from a Jake Brindle. Uh, and, and because you could probably get Brindle to your practice squad, you 100% your, your chances of getting Brindle to your practice squad are better than getting Justin skew to your practice squad. Now we know players get claimed from the practice squad all the time. So that makes it a little bit difficult You
1: do have four protections. You, you, can protect you do. Them,
0: guys. Uh, so, I mean, you don't have to have school because you, you do have Burford, Zakel, they can play tackle. Jalen Moore can play tackle. Of course, in your scenario, he's playing starting right guard. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you could still move on. We'll see. I, I think Brendel would probably make the initial 53 would stay just like this, even with Brunskill beating him out. But I wonder at what point during the year could they move on from Jake Brendel and then have a Nick Zakel or Spencer Burford take snaps?
1: Uh, I would agree with you on this. It's an interesting proposition. It's an interesting question. And I want to apologize for to to ers Focus and to Gary for making him have to count again with the 10-9 debacle i know it'll go down in history as one of the all-time blunders and rap god moments for alex here on the podcast i get it it's fine uh i apologize for that but look at the end of the day um your eyes did not deceive you gary you counted correctly Uh, i did the incorrect counting Uh, i'm not the good math alex and that's horst horst is great with the mathematics uh um, not so much
0: yeah and mr Corey, so akash is the one that put this out on twitter there is some belief that maybe Daniel Brunskill hasn't recovered from all of his injuries. He's been dealing with the knee tendonitis, sure. And we know that that has had a huge effect on players in the past. Uh, so we'll see if he's fully recovered. He was on with Brad from the SF Niners. It was a tremendous interview. I really enjoyed it, but there was no mention of him starting out on pup. So we'll just have to wait and see. We'll see if he's out there on Wednesday. Would he come
1: out and say that, hey, there's a chance I might start on pup, but that's the question. No, he wouldn't say yeah, it. Exactly. I'm just saying there was no
0: conversation of even, like, how are you feeling or anything like Which that. Which
1: is interesting because you feel like that's a question Brad would ask.
0: Brad is very, like, pro player, though. Exactly. So he handles it a certain way. He didn't put him in any tough situations. I do like and that. I think that's why they like working with him, you right. know what I mean? Because he's not going to ask those really tough questions that you know, make them feel uncomfortable, but it was a good interview because they went through the season and he gave some insight on Alex Mack, gave insight in on how he works with other players, which I thought were tremendous. And uh, so, I mean, that is part of the the cool thing about those interviews.
1: That is true, man. That is true. Especially since Brad do play some O-line at the collegiate level as well. The conversation there, I imagine was great. I'm going to go check out that interview. So, if you haven't watched it either, RSF Niners, you can go check that out after this as well, or you can watch more of our content if you've missed and need to catch up on our stuff, and then go check that out. Either way, it's fine, TCC. That's the offense here. That's, that's yeah. your guys there offensively. Uh, obviously, your punter is going to be Mitch Wisnowski. Uh, we can get to, to special teams later. Let's stick with the defense now. Let's transition over to that. And let's start with the most important part of this defense, which is that front four and that D-line. And uh, Look, you kept 11 last year. Are we keeping 11 this year, Ant? Are we keeping eleven this year? Yeah, it looks like we're keeping eleven this year. I let Matt answer the math now because I know I'm bad at it. Yeah, uh, I don't see a name on here that goes uh, that I don't think should be on here. I I do. Find it interesting there. You have Maurice Hurst and Kerry Hyder there right at the bottom. Yeah. Sneaking in. How close is it going to be for those two?
0: Uh, It's going to be real close. And I mean, if you're looking at the list and you're looking for Kevin Givens, he's not there. I know. Uh, Decided that it was going to go. Me and Alex have been talking about this for weeks. Seven defensive edge rushers and four interior defensive linemen. And it was tough to do. But when it came down to it, I looked at it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep the 11 best defensive linemen for this football team, and Alex has been in agreement with me, we keep the 11 best defensive linemen, and this is our 11 best defensive linemen. Kevin Givens is going to be right there in the battle with Maurice Hurst, and you could flip them in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's going to be close. I just think they value Hurst, and I don't think Hurst can make it to you know a practice squad. Kevin Givens has the opportunity to do so. Even then, I'm not sure if he's going to make it. I think he would get claimed. Uh, All the while, there's probably going to be an injury or something that changes this. But I think this defensive line gives you the most opportunity to get after the passer and to stop the run on early base downs. Uh, So this is the 11 guys and it's, it's, it's a very impactful 11 guys. It's a
1: hugely impactful 11 guys and a hugely impactful 11 guys. Look, Nick Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, Sampson, Ebucom, those four are no-brainers. Yeah. In fact, those are most likely your first four, the first four guys out most possessions. Now, we do know Eric and Tap love that rotation and getting guys in and getting that second unit in. Typically, on the second drive, and getting guys yeah. rotated in early. <laughs> Um, but those are your first four. Those are the guys that you're going to be able to count on. Charles Amenahue and Jake Dra- Drake Jackson after that and one because of what Amenahue became for San Francisco. Once he got here after the trade and because Drake Jackson was drafted fairly high and was your first pick in this last draft. Obviously he's going to have some sort of role this year. Um, Ridgeway, the guy you signed and brought in Kamoko to Jordan Willis. Um, those names are all guys that the Niners have invested in, whether that was this off season with money guaranteed, bringing them in, or in terms of just their role and what they could be and the the things that they do well already, their skill sets, right? Kamoko Ture with the speed, what Hassan Ridgway is as a two-down run stopper, what he can add in that rotation there. Those are all positives, and then obviously what we've seen out of Jordan Willis in terms of his development and from, from his first snap and first day in San Francisco mm-hmm. to the suspension last year to post-suspension and the playoff run he had last year. It's obvious the trajectory he is on. It's going to be very hard to get him off of this roster for someone else to sneak in and take a role away from him.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think this is, we're counting on the expansion of the Arden Key role. I mean, we made a video about that, you know, who's going to fill that role. And with an expansion, it means you can take extra edge rushers and move them in on obvious nickel down and nickel pass rush situations, third and long situations. You just have to stop the run early and they could have a four man rotation on the inside with Armstead, Kinlaw, uh, Hassan Ridgeway. You know, and even using Kerry Heider, uh, he could he can add to that as well. I mean, they can do a lot of things with this group. So I'm excited about that. But, yeah, it was hard to keep seven edge rushers as opposed to keeping six and five, which would have been the normal breakdown, you would think, from the 49ers. But I just think they can't move off of, like, a Kamoko Torrey who could be able to get after the quarterback. And you adding Drake Jackson, I think, changed the makeup from six and five to seven and
1: four. Uh, look, I, I agree with you there. I think it definitely mixed things up and, and made it so that it was – something to consider. Now Siggy just asked a great question. D Ford? Question Mark. D Ford could throw a wrench in all of us. He he definitely could. So, he could throw I mean he could, he could throw a wrench in all of us if D Ford is healthy on this roster. It's just Cary Heider, right? Kerry Heider is the odd man out. Or do you think it's another
0: name? Oh, uh, I th- I think it could be Kerry Heider. It all depends on what they, what they're getting out of Kamoko True. If Kamoko Ture is not being able to play on base four, three down sets, he's not improving against the run and setting the edge. Uh, then he does. He does the same exact thing. D four does just not to the level that D four does it. I mean, he's younger. He's more healthy. I would love to see Kamoko Ture be on this team, but D four's still special. True. Um, so yeah d4 could throw a wrench into all this but i just don't know what we're getting out of d4 i don't know if when he gets cleared and and uh you know elevated off the ir and activate if he's going to end up getting released there's just too many questions about d4 right now but if we get out there and practice and he's hustling and he's playing and he's he's going through all of the reps and things uh he, he could definitely make this football team and then yeah it could be kamoko or Kerry Hyder. Uh, even even Jordan Willis, one of those guys may not be on this roster, man, that'd be interesting.
1: It would be very interesting. Uh, Pedro with the Chris Kisarek is a magician. I trust anyone he puts there. I would agree with you on that. I, I trust him a lot. Mr. Corey, I think they're keeping 12. Gibbons will be 12. Mr. Corey, and going with the 12th defensive Ooh. lineman, that is...
0: And what do you keep an eight offensive line? Uh, yeah, I well, mean, where,
1: where, where does the cut come in? Mr. Corey, Who, what position group is losing an extra guy? Yeah. A uh, Siggy. I hear Ford is healthy. Well, look, that's great. I've heard Ford is healthy for the past couple of seasons as well. Yeah. And after a couple of games and a couple of situations and him putting himself out there and dealing with the rigors of an actual game and contact, he ends up not being healthy, and that's the thing the Niners are now weighing. It's no longer about what he is at the start of this. It's what they believe he can be after some games, some practices, and things of that nature, and taking a little bit of a pounding. Now, he's not going to do so much in practice, the pounding, because you're going to try and keep him as healthy and as light as possible in terms of the contact and just the wear and tear on his body, but he's got to be able to get through games, and not just you know four games or five games or six games. He's got to be able to get through 17 or shoot at least 12 or 13 Give him, you know, four or five games off during the season because of how deep you are at this position, and then be able to play in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know that that's one of the things that uh, Tassio is saying. Put D on the pup if you want to, but Kyle was pretty straightforward about not seeing a future and you know him in the future plans. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there could be no future plans for D four. We we just don't know. That's why I didn't put him on this list, and I think me and Alex are in agreement about that. It's just. You, know, you can't really have this guy be a part of that top 11 guys because you just don't know how what his health is going to be. If he's fully healthy, it could be just like Mr. Corey said. He's the second best defensive lineman on the entire team. Uh, as far as pass rushing, he is. I would say as far as total defensive lineman, Eric Armstead is still better than him. Well, but I, I but would I, agree with but you. But as a pass rusher, I would say, yes, D. Ford is the second best pass rusher on the entire team behind uh, Nick Bosa, and I think he's the second most impactful player on the entire team behind Nick Bosa.
1: Agreed. It's Nick Bosa and then D. Ford in terms of impact and what they add to your group when he's healthy. Uh, I would also agree with you that I would put him below Eric Armstead. Yeah. I would 100% put him below Eric Armstead. And I think Samson Ebucom is getting close to be able to have impact totally on the team at the at not the level that that D. Ford has done it in the league, but in terms of every down type of guy because of the way he plays against the run and his continual development as a pass rusher that he's putting himself into that category, maybe a little bit above D in terms of total impact on the field, because D's impact is felt specifically on pass rush downs.
0: Yeah, it is. And he's a specialized guy and that's why him making the team means Kamoko Terre might not. That's Uh, it's it's the same role. And if D Ford makes the team, you wonder what impact that would have on Drake Jackson snaps as well. It could definitely slow those down, but we know the foreigners are not against drafting players, developing in them for one year and then turning them loose the next year. I mean, they've done it in the past and I mean, they're doing it right now with Trey Lance. They could easily do it. Drake Jackson, even though I do believe he's going to be a part of the rotation in 2022.
1: It's true. Mr. Corey saying the running back room and deuces to hasty and Jeff Wilson jr.
0: Yeah. Just, I mean, we saw what happened when the running back room got absolutely torn up last year they're bringing guys in off the street i mean here comes carry on johnson here comes guys you've never even heard of coming in there and and you're relying on kyle use to run dives up the middle because you don't have the running back room you need so I think Kyle Shanahan is going to be a little leery of that. If he thought he could get a couple of these guys to the practice squad, uh, then maybe he would do that. But I do think they're going to have five running backs in this room.
1: That's very true. Uh, very true. Tasio. I'm also very, o- ve- oh, excuse me, very over talking about Jimmy and D feel like it's 2020 again.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, unfortunately that's part of the, the off season. I think some of that's going to change here in the next couple of weeks. Agreed. As we get into training camp and we'll be talking about, you know, players on the current roster, but, Uh, these guys just have so many questions that they're just going to keep getting brought up.
1: Uh, That's accurate. A lot of, for a lot of people, the talking about it is more of, I think therapy than anything else. They're talking about the situation because they're frustrated with it. They're talking about Jimmy because they're frustrated with it. They want this to be resolved. And so it can't be resolved. They know it's not going to be resolved yet. And so they, they vent about it. I, I get it. I get the venting. I get the being over it as well, because it feels like it's been nonstop in our faces, Literally since 2020, even before 2020, after the 2019 season, the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation started to ramp up. Um, The D4 conversation, not so much. The Jimmy Garoppolo conversation, very, very much. Is this guy the future? Can he even do anything for you? So I get that, Tassio. I I definitely do. (laughs) I want to learn about the science of arm fatigue. I don't know if there's any science behind it. I think we all want to learn that. I want to know just who thought that was a good idea to put out there. Like that... That as they were typing that out, right, and writing that to send out into the ether in the world as a take, like, why they thought as they were writing it, this logically adds up. Yeah. Like, this is a, a legitimate concern that people should care about.
0: Yeah. Arm fatigue. Uh, they had to come up with something. You know, something creative.
1: I think your arm is in shape. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mr. Corey with the Mitchell Davis Price sermon. Mason. But you also you you, you can't it. keep Mason.
0: Yeah, then you have too many guys. You have
1: you have five running backs because you're. Are we cutting Kyle Youchek as well, Mr. Corey?
0: Man, you
1: can't keep all those guys in twelve of them. If running back room is the one that takes a cut.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, man. I mean, look at look at Leon Davis's breakdown. He'll give you the position breakdown it's you true. need to put this team
1: together. He really well. Three special <laughs> teamers and uh three three special teamers. Uh, he's got the two quarterbacks. He's got the uh was it five running
0: backs. Yeah, three, three tight ends, five running backs, five wide receivers, nine offensive uh, linemen, 11 defensive linemen, five linebackers, and t- 10 defensive backs. That's, including I'm guessing, six cornerbacks and four safeties. Uh,
1: probably, probably going to be the case. We'll find out exactly from Leon here in a little bit when we get to corners. But before we get to corners, Ant, linebackers, because much like he Leon brought up and mentioned with the five linebackers we have five as well five names Fred Warner Dre Green Al Alshair and a shocking turn of events and and then Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan Fowls oh I forgot
0: the end on Flanagan
1: that's uh, it's a okay everyone knows what it's supposed to be Flanagan Flanagan, <laughs> Flanagan Fowls we apologize Flanagan Fowls we also yeah. uh, apo- apologize for calling you foals for a few years as yeah. well when it was obviously
0: Fowls yeah, I, I think that this is gonna be the five, you know, linebackers. And I, I don't really think there's a huge competition, you know, for a linebacker spot. Of course the three up top are absolutely fantastic and then you've got oren burks that came in for special teams we know they're going to have a lot of value for him he's definitely making this roster those four guys are locks and then demetrius flanagan fouls It comes down to this is he better than the other guys that are there curtis robinson you know could it be uh gemmel could he come in and compete for jeremiah gemmel compete for that roster spot i just don't think any of those guys really have the opportunity to do so i think it'll be flanagan Fowles. And uh, this room they will feel real comfortable with because we know D'Amico Ryans likes Demetrius Flanagan fouls And there was an improvement from the time he went on the field and started participating till the end of the season. That is a very stacked and loaded linebacker room. And I feel confident with all five of those guys getting snaps on base sets, which I, th- I think that's what you need. And then the fact that, Oren Burks is so athletic. I think he's one of those guys that could step in and play either one of those linebacker spots if asked.
1: Uh, I would agree with you on this. And look, this is a, uh, this is, there was a time where I thought maybe you could sacrifice a linebacker and keep four to start the year off. And then if you really need to, in a pinch, bring a guy up. Cause I do think you could probably sneak, Demetrius Flanagan fouls to a practice squad. If need be. I know a lot of teams think his special teams prowess is, is great, but those guys, those teams obviously have guys in place already. and, Is linebacker play at times leaves something to be desired. That being said, you don't want to find yourself in the position that you were in last year. Ant, where you have two linebackers. It felt like every week that were dinged up or nicked up in some way. You have a solid three and one of the best, best in the league at your starting linebacker core, when they're healthy and Fred Dre and Aziz, And then after that, you have Oren Burks, who's a special team specialist and can do some things and add some stuff to your defense, which is great. And Flanagan Fowles, who's a special teams guy. I don't think you want to risk it any more than that. I think the five you have are the five everyone feels most comfortable with. Um, And I think it provides you everything that you need in terms of how to address your defense, how you want to start your games off, uh, your run fits, how you want to cover guys in space, the variety and ways in which you can do that, and then making sure that you secure up your special teams as well.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. And that's one of the things that's going on with this linebacker room is just making sure you have depth just in case something happens. Uh, You got to break that glass and pull that switch. Uh, you need to make sure you have guys that can do it. Burks is going to be huge on special teams. He's still Flanagan, and fouls, huge. and that's, that's good because you need those guys because alshire used to be a big-time special teams guy. Drake Greenlaw was a big-time special teams guy. Now those guys are getting starter reps, which means you need the guys to fill that role, and they've got two very athletic, very skilled special teams guys to do it, and it just helps that if you have an emergency. Those two guys can step in.
1: Uh, very true. Uh, very, very true. I saw Tassio said earlier too. He, he said, it's exciting to see. Oh no, excuse me. My bad. I meant this one. What about the Robert and DJ signing? How are you guys feeling about this in this room? Um, look, I, I don't think, I don't think this is a bad move. This is a very intriguing move. The Niners have consistently tried to improve their defensive line. He's a guy who's 27 and he's a former first round pick, uh, played in the NFC West. So very yeah. familiar with NFC West schemes and opponents and what they like to do. And it's Chris Kisarek. It's, it's Coach Kisarek, man. Coach Kisarek and Daryl Tapp have done a great job with every player that they've brought in terms of development. Do I think they can get the best version of him out? Possibly. They, they definitely could. Am I going to put a lot of eggs in that basket? No. I'm going to wait to see what happens. And if they are able to, to turn this into diamonds, then it's great for the San Francisco 49ers. And that room gets a whole heck of a lot harder to even decipher how you're going to build it. And if you don't, then it didn't cost you anything. It's not going to cost you a bunch. And who knows? You might even be able to sneak this guy into a practice squad.
0: Yeah. It's a first round pick. These you're signing for a league minimum. That is a guy that is a disturber. He likes to get across the line of scrimmage sure. and make things happen. Uh, that's exactly what Kyle, what uh, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and, you know, Chris Kacarek want on their defensive line is penetrators guys that can get in there and wreak havoc. That's what he does. The only thing that's, a little bit nerve, you know, makes me nervous about Kin He's only had one real year of a, of production, production. Uh, twenty eighteen, with the four and a half sacks, thirty three tackles for Arizona. That was great. Nine um, tackles for a loss that year too. Yeah, the next year he goes to Miami. He plays in two games and does. N- I mean, literally no Nothing. stats at all. Nothing. Um, that makes me a little bit nervous. He bounced back a little bit last year with Seattle, but it's a guy that yeah, you're there's a low risk, high reward potentiality with. But we'll see what he does, but at least it's another guy to come in there and compete on the interior defensive line. And it does insulate you in case you have an injury to Hassan Ridgeway that you could go ahead and plug this guy in as a two-down run stopper.
1: Uh very true. Uh very, very true, and so I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about this linebacking core, because I want to finally see the the three the three gentlemen we have here leading this pack out down the field together and for like significant amounts of time instead of sparingly.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> if all three of those guys could stay healthy, that would be phenomenal because I think it's the best linebacker room in the NFL when healthy.
1: Uh, very true, Ant. It's very, very true. And now we move on to the cornerback position, Ant, in our, in our wonderful corners. Not corners and safeties, just the corners. Mr. Corey, are you guys keeping DeAmador Lenore? And if so, Lenore better not be the reason you don't keep 12 D linemen in this room. Well, newsflash for you, Mr. Corey. We are not keeping DeAmador Lenore. In a shocking turn of events, Ant, Diamador Lenore is nowhere near... This cornerback room left for us at this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Right now, it's uh, Charvarius Ward, of course. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, the two guys that I believe everyone thinks has the best chance to start. And then you have the wild card in Jason Verrett. Yep. Now, that is that is the one. If Jason Verrett can't stay healthy, that's where Diablo Lenore's chances of making this roster, Dante Johnson's chances of making this roster come in. If Verrett is healthy, those three guys up top are absolute locks. You throw in the young stud and Ombry Thomas. He's a lock to be on this roster and going ahead and helping as maybe the fourth corner. If Jason Brett's healthy, he's the fourth outside corner. Then you have Dark Quest Denard, who right now would be the starting nickel. That's who he's getting the reps at. I just don't think you're able to move on. I think when it comes down to it, you're keeping one veteran between Denard and Dante Johnson. You're keeping one young guy between Lenore and Womack. And I just thought, you know what, Alex? I think it's Denard and Womack. Because Womack is a new draft pick, Lenore they've seen for a full year. That is tough. Uh, it's really tough to move on from Diomede Lenore. But I've actually seen him, and I haven't seen Womack yet. And they obviously felt they needed to go ahead and add more talent to this room. Look, uh,
1: Diomede Lenore does a lot of special things. He did a lot of great things last year, and he did a lot of concerning things. The, yeah. the start of that year and stepping into that role early in the season and not, you know, not basically imploding and our defense going from talented with a lot of promise and potential to the miami dolphins defense we saw in 2020 and where you're getting torched on every other play and just giving up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown to some talented wide receivers but not the best wide receivers in the game Um, the fact that demo was able to step in and do that shows that there's something there with demo but you took him late he's a small guy playing on the outside and there's just concerns there across the board samuel womack just as fast bigger taller guy physically athletically imposing on on defenders out there in space uh closer to ombre thomas's build and and physicality level of play than what demo is and so ideally this just makes more sense um when you pitch these names to me i didn't look at any of his names and said no this doesn't make sense this isn't happening when these names got pitched it was like first off the first four is an automatic yes yeah these are your best four cornerbacks that you have and then it just comes down to darquez denard and dante johnson in terms of what they do, what role they fill, how useful they are, which of the two guys do you think you have a better chance of getting to a practice squad? And Dante Johnson is a proven commodity to get to the practice squad and he really is. Yeah, He really is. Darkoes Denard, not so much. Um, and then with Womack and, and with Diomedo Lenore, teams are going to look at what Demo did last year in the positives and the negatives, and that's good and great and all, and they're going to look at Samuel Womack's potential. If you keep Demo, uh, teams are gonna take a chance on Samuel Womack's potential, the size, the speed, everything else that he does. Diamador Lenore they may look at the measurables and be like, this doesn't fit in our scheme. And there's, I think there's a better chance to get a guy like Demo to your practice squad than there is a, a, any opportunity to get Samuel Womack, because if you cut Samuel Womack and he's not making it there, the reality is, is you're probably not going to get to Castro fields to a practice squad. Most likely just because of the size.
0: Yeah. It, it's going to be tough to get these guys in a practice squad. The only thing that we have going for us is there's going to be a lot of players to get released from their football teams this year sure. because of COVID. You know, there's so many players <laughs> that came out in this draft there's so many undrafted free agents that you're going to lock on to players, you know, and you've got, you know, De'Amiro Lenore fits a lot of systems for once. I don't think he fits what Seattle's doing up there. They're going back to their cover three of these big, tall, long cornerbacks. Um, so him finding a, a spot to land is going to be more difficult. I just think it's going to be a real battle. And I, I seen that Lou said, you know, he doesn't think Denard is going to skit, uh, uh, stick and that might happen. Good. But right now, Quest Denard is still a first round talent. Um, that they felt really comfortable bringing in and giving first team reps. If they didn't feel comfortable with Denard playing the nickel corner spot, it would have been De'Amer Lenore or Ombre Thomas or Emmanuel Mosley or somebody else getting those first team reps. It's Denard right now, so which means somebody's going to have to come in there and take it all the while. Jason or Emmanuel Mosley might end up playing that nickel role, which would make it really difficult. And in that case, you could see a Denard slide a little bit, Um, but I think they're going to like the veteran leadership, the ability to play on the outside and the inside. That versatility is really nice. So, I mean, it could end up not being Denard when we get to August 30th. Of course it could. We could end up seeing Diomero Lenore and Samuel Womack being those two corners. And I don't think anyone would bat an eye, Uh, but we're a long way away from August 30th.
1: And Demo's got to prove it, man. He has to go out and prove that he can operate in the slot. The reality is Darquez Denard has op- shown he can operate both on the outside and the inside. We know he can do those things. He's done it in San Francisco. He's done it throughout his career in the league. Demo has shown he can only play on the outside. Yeah. And you and I both thought when they drafted De'Amico Lenore, this was your eventual nickel corner. This was your eventual nickel corner replacement. We get to camp. He's not playing nickel corner. We get deeper into camp. He's still not playing nickel corner. Towards the end of the camp, they throw him into the slot to have him start playing nickel corner. And it didn't look good in practice. And it was like, that's a problem because that that feels like that was the position he was supposed to come in here to eventually play for this team. Now he's had a whole offseason, a lot of time to develop, a lot of time to work on his game and hone his craft. If he honed it then he's going to be in a much better spot. And Darquez Denard and Dante Johnson are going to be on the bubble to, to whether or not they can make this team. But he's got to go out and demonstrate it in practice. He's got to demonstrate it throughout training camp. And then he's going to have to go in and demonstrate it in the game because the reality is, Ant, with the names you have on here, you're probably not going to see Charverius Ward. You're probably not going to see Emmanuel Mosley. You're probably not going to see Jason Brett in training camp. In preseason, excuse me. Not training camp. You'll see them in training camp. But preseason. Which means Thomas, Darquez Denard, Dante Johnson, Samuel Womack, Tariq Castro and Diama Lenore. Are getting the majority of your snaps in game. He's gonna have plenty of opportunity to show it on the outside, plenty to show it on the inside. He has to take advantage of his chances.
0: Yeah, he really does, you know. And thanks so much, Bobo, uh, for the two dollar super chat. It says I really believe we're gonna win the super- we're gonna be super Super Bowl champs soon. Uh, I would love that if we get to February. Uh, it, it's it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited about this team. And I'm I'm excited about the roster top to bottom. I think we're going to have one of the best 53-man rosters when it's all said and done and put together on August 30th. That's going to be fantastic. Um, but there's going to be a lot of competition at training camp. I can't wait to get out there and see it. And this is going to be one of the positions to watch because there are questions surrounding that nickel corner spot. And let's see if Vered is showing out, showing his ability to practice, um, then we have an idea. And let's see where they line Vered up. If they start moving him or Mosley on the inside, that's when I'm really going to get hyped. which means those three guys can play together. I would love that. It's going to be juicy, and if that happens, Mr. Corey, some of these guys will end
1: up on Seattle's team. And Donald Johnson, Mr. Corey, I don't care. Seattle is in rebuilding (laughs) mode. If there were ever a year for it not to be the end of the world, the Seattle Seahawks end up with some of your players. Fortunately, it's this year so long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't end up in Seattle.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you someone who might. is Tariq Castro Fields if he's released. He He could could definitely end up there. He fits what they would want from the nickel corner spot. Um, So, yeah, that that can make sense for them, for sure.
1: We'll see what happens, though, at that spot, and we'll see what those corners end up being, and let's shift over and shift gears to safety because this is an interesting room. I think a lot of people feel very comfortable with the names. Actually, I don't even want to say that. I want to give people credit because I have heard people still pitching Leon O'Neal Jr., which I don't understand personally. But to each their own. And these are the four names we have at the safety room. Obviously, Jimmy Ward, obviously, Talanoa Hufanga, obviously, George Odom. I don't think those three names should be in contention i think the only real question is is how people feel about Tarvarius Moore coming off of that injury and then whether or not some people think he's in a start or not over a talanoa hufanga because i don't think george odom is really in this competition i know some people have been pitching it ant but how are you feeling about these four names
0: yeah i actually think that uh Tarveris Moore is going to be in the mix for that other starting corner or safety job opposite of jimmy ward i think that's going to be a battle between him and hufanga And we're gonna see. We're gonna see what kind of role they come up with both of them. I think both of them could actually be a little bit more interchangeable, where you're not having a guy that's a set starter. I think Hufonga will start on the field and then Ward will or more will come in on certain situations where they want him to cover deep third or they want him to go cover someone in the slot or do certain things like that. I think that's where he can help out. And with Odom, I think they're going to have him in there competing. But really, they brought him in to play special teams. He's a lock to make this team for the mere fact he's such a great special teams player. Uh, But how much is he going to be involved in the overall play on, uh, you know, down in, down out? I don't know there's going to be that much opportunity for him. Um, but I do like the safety room overall because he does have starts in his career. He does have playing time. Every one of these guys have been able to go out there and prove it already on the NFL field. Um, so there's less questions about young players or, or things like that around this surrounding this room. But let's see what happens. But I think it's a battle between Moore and Hufanga. I think right now Hufonga's leading a little bit. Um, but let's see what happens when we get out there and see who's how they're dividing these snaps between Hufanga and Moore.
1: Look, you cannot count out and discount Tarvarius Moore for this job specifically because he was in competition last year with Jaquiski Tart before the injury. Um, there was no guarantee that Jaquiski Tart was going to be your guy specifically because Tart got hurt. He wouldn't wasn't able to always stay healthy, and people thought there was a chance, and there was a slight chance that you could see uh, something like this out of Tarvarius Moore in terms of him elevating in and elevating this guy into some sort of competition, and some sort of competition um with Tart for that job. Um, yeah, A lot of people thought you could get that. You could see that. You could see him rolling into that kind of role. And you know what? I believe, honestly, deep down, and that this guy was going to have an opportunity last year to to start and uh, compete for that job. He wasn't able to last year because of injury. If he's healthy, he 100% will this year because I don't think Talanoa has completely, completely solidified that role just yet
0: yeah yeah i th- I think this is going to be a fun one i think this is going to be a fun battle to watch this room has a lot of talented players and i think what makes it interesting is how much different each one of these guys are because mm-hmm. uh, ufanga and more are not similar players they do things drastically uh, different, and their skill sets are different. I mean, Moore is one of those guys that's a four-three speed guy. Hufonga's question marks coming into the league were about his speed. Uh, you don't have any question marks about Hufonga as far as tackling, nope. being able to operate in the box, all those things he does very well. Also, instinctiveness to be able to create turnovers, I think, is something that I'm looking forward to because I do want this room to create turnovers. And then I think when it comes to more, you know, he's got that deep third ability now. How much did Ufanga get better during the last season? I think he did get better, and I want to see what kind of improvement he had working with Troy Polamalu and doing the things that he needed to do in the off season. Because I never question his work ethic and his, you know, ability to want to get better. I mean, he just does want to get better. So we'll see what happens when we get out there. And I'm hoping that we see a Ufonga that has improved drastically and we have no questions. We just say, you know what? Hufanga is already up there with Tarts level or better. And then the safety room is set. And then we know we just got a very, very good backup in Tarverius more.
1: Look, the speed aspect that Tarverius Moore brings allows him to break and get to things that maybe he shouldn't, right? In coverage, that's the reality. He can also afford to make mistakes. He can afford to, to be a step behind because he can make it up with that speed. That That, that is something that is possible. But if you have a Talanoa Hufanga Ant that's playing at his best, that IQ is through the roof, and he demonstrated some high IQ stuff last year for a rookie coming in with a lot of question marks, he was definitely way ahead of where he was supposed to be and where a lot of people thought he was going to be. Now, there were some people, I'll give them credit, that were extremely high on Talanoa Hufanga and thought that he was going to be in a much better position than a lot of people thought he was going to be in. There was also Ant a lot of people who are willing to throw him in as the de facto future of the franchise at the safety position in Talanoa Hufanga and maybe went a little bit overboard. That's okay, because the reality was he was ahead of where he was supposed to be. He wasn't a world-beater by any means. He also wasn't a scrub that was barely going to make this roster. He was a surprise, and if he, if he improves greatly, and we saw him improve greatly through the season, if he continues that level and that trajectory, then this job is going to be very hard for anyone to take from Talanoa Hufanga.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, Tasio is bringing it up. Moore took some terrible angles. Uh, that's accurate. Um, there were some question marks about, you know, the way he went after uh, different players and the angles that he took. I think that's something he's going to have to improve. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's going to be opportunities, you know, for him to get better. And I'm sure he did get better. We haven't got to see anything from Tarvarius Moore since... 2020 you know True. what i mean i mean that's the thing we haven't seen him play since then so i'm sure he's gotten better over this time now of course he's been recovering from an injury and not an easy injury to recover from you wonder if his explosiveness is going to be there um there's a lot of question marks you know surrounding him but i am curious what he could do because it wasn't that long ago in fact right before last season that there was the talks that maybe he was the replacement for jaquiski True. and now here we are and we're talking about hufanga uh did did his opportunity already pass him by uh, maybe, but I think he's going to get the opportunity to go out and then prove it because when it comes down to it, the four yards are just going to put out the best available player, the guy that can do it the best. And if more proves to be that guy, it'll be him. I agree with you on that. And look, George Odom,
1: uh, we know what he is. We know what his yeah. role is. He's supposed to come in uh, spot fill in situations where you need him. He can come in in a pinch ant and play in the box for you and be great in some run fit situations. He's incredible in the special teams aspect. There are some questions for some people in terms of coverage with him. I haven't seen it's. It's not, he's not a liability in coverage, He's just specific in terms of his role and what he can be used. He's really there if you absolutely need him, and his his biggest impact is going to be special teams. That's what he's there for.
0: Yeah, Odom is going to be a dynamite special teams player, and you add him to Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, and you have three of the better special teams players in the entire league. And then you got Ray Ray McLeod helping take care of the return game. They did a really good job of adding guys. I'm really excited about it.
1: True. Lou, if I had to rate them currently, it's Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ward 1. Uh, and then it's uh, 3A, Talanoa Hufanga, 3B, uh, Tarverius Moore, and then 4, uh, George Odom, just because of the role that he's going to be playing and what he's supposed to be doing. I'm not going to put anyone in the Tide for second category, because I think there's a gap between what our other safeties are and what Jimmy Ward is.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go one Ward, I'm going to go two Hufanga, I'm going to go three Tarverius Ward, and I'm going to go four George Odom. There we go. Uh, that That's my list. And then I have Taylor Hawkins as five and Leon O'Neill as six. Uh, just in case anyone wanted to know what I think about the undrafted free agents, um, they're gonna be great practice squad pieces, Ant. I think they are. Yeah, great, great practice squad pieces. Don't expect a whole lot
1: more other than that, Ant. Don't yeah. just don't do it. Uh, look, let's get to the specialties, Ant. Let's get to those specialists, those special teamers. Specifically, your kicker Robbie Gold, your punter Mitch Wisnowski, and your long snapper Taper Pepper. Uh, yeah, those are.
0: Those are all locks. That, that, that may have been the easiest one to do of all of them. I Those mean barring
1: boring Pepper absolutely crapping the bed in, in the snapping category. There
0: nothing is changing. No, I don't think so. No. It's these guys. We're these guys are gonna be their specialists, and and that's how you get to fifty three. Uh that is true. That that these are your
1: last three. These yeah. these are your fifty three. John, notice how we saved them for the end. Uh I didn't I didn't put <laughs> didn't put Rich Mashowski <laughs> Robbie Gold in the forties no. and the thirties. Or even they're they're or, or excuse me, I'm not gonna put them at 53 and rank them some ahead of the other guys like like John did in his in his 53. That still cracks me up. I keep ribbing him about that all the time. Yeah, uh, but these are yeah these are the last three. This is how you run out your roster.
0: Yeah, it is, and so that means you have you know 24 offensive players, 26 defensive players, and then the three specialists, and that's how you get to your 53 man roster.
1: That's uh, absolutely great, and there is our breakdown. Like you said, Ant, um, look at the at the end of the day. Can this change? Absolutely, it could. Um, You could keep some players at some other positions. I don't know how anyone can convince or talk themselves into an extra offensive guy knowing the positions, right? There's not that many questions about your tight end room outside of tight end one and tight end two. There's not really that many questions in your running back room other than maybe which guys you really like. It can't be more than five, right? Maybe you can be Mr. Corey and talk yourself into one less, but you're not gonna do more than five running backs. Um, And then your wide receiver room, I mean, it has to be those five. I don't know why you would talk yourself into a sixth.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't talk myself into one because I want to keep 11 defensive linemen. I want to keep nine offensive linemen. I don't want to move on from this guy or these guys. I think the only conversation is if you could get Spencer Burford and Nick Sackell to you know raise their game and Jalen Moore as well, um, if they raise their game, you could come up with a situation where you get a eight offensive lineman And if you do that, then you could keep somebody somewhere else. True. But where are you going to keep that guy? I think it would have to be the defensive line. And are you really going to keep 12 defensive line men? I'm not so sure. I think it's going to be 11. I think this is how it ends up working out. It's a tough
1: sell, man. It's a tough sell to keep any more than that. Uh, That's what I mean, right? As 24 offensive players seems like the most it could be. It doesn't feel like you can keep any more than that based on what you have defensively and already how you've built out the offense because there's a lot of depth in a lot of spots with just the 24 guys that you have there your weakest positions in terms of depth are going to end up being your quarterback room and your offensive line group. Just because with the O line group, there's some unproven commodities in those spots. Your tight end room is deep. Your running back room is deep. Your wide receiver room is extremely deep.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we have a question from Mr. Corey it says, I miss your guys running back room. Did you all have Mike or J. Michael hasty in there? We did not. Um, no, we did not. Jamichael hasty did not make the team. We went with Jeff Wilson, Jr. Uh, for that role. So, um, that was, we, we decided that the third, you know, third down back role was the, the competition. And we think Jeff Wilson junior beach to Michael Hastia because he has versatility to do it on first and second down as well.
1: Yep. So there, there they are in the corner there. You can see them. Those are the, the running backs we had. Um, look, I, I think you could possibly talk yourself into ant um, a few more defensive players, potentially at certain spots. We'll see. It's going to come down to health. Health is going to determine a lot of this and how they decide to play this out. And also what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? What, what Jimmy does, um, what you end up doing uh, early in the season in regards to D4 and his health, Daniel Brunskill, his health. Um, these guys being healthy can change the way this roster gets built out and how it gets established because they may have to sacrifice certain positions early in the year in order to accomplish other things.
0: Yeah, and Lou is saying, what about keeping Dante Johnson to play corner and safety and special teams? Use the roster spot for another blue chip. It all depends on who you're planning on keeping and what position they're planning, you know, you're gonna play and you know maybe they would decide to do that that means they're getting rid of one of these safeties i don't think they'd want to lose george odom i don't think they'd want to lose Tarvarius Moore because both are special teams players for you um and both have a lot of ability and tarverius Moore could be a gunner for this team it's true and that's an area the four yards definitely need players because they've lost gunners through the years tarverius Moore is a pretty good one so um it's a good theory it's a good idea uh, because he can play two spots and anytime you have a guy like that it gives you more versatility I just wonder if you're going to be able to do that. And are you losing something in the corner area by not keeping a dark West you know, or one of these other guys.
1: Look, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure one way or the other, how the Niners will fully build this out and what guys will be taking over. But that gunner position is one that everyone needs to keep an eye on because you lost two incredible gunners from last season and Trenton cannon and Trent Shurfield. They, they, those two did it at did that spot, played that spot, that position better than I've seen a lot of other guys in San Francisco play at the last few years. They were absolutely phenomenal, incredible, and really, really made Mitch Wisnowski look absolutely phenomenal early in the season. Not that Mitch Wishnowski isn't wasn't playing well or hadn't improved. He definitely did, but he was bombing some punts earlier in the year that he could get away with. He was out kicking his coverage, and it just didn't matter because your gunners were down there in space early.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of times you don't think about you know, these players and what roles are going to play. I seen somebody asking about starters playing on special teams, sort of the way Harbaugh did. I think there's going to be a concerted effort to make sure you get the most amount of talent you can on special teams within reason. Uh, but that's part of the reason they went out and got the guys they got, because Orrin Burks, you know, and George Odom are definitely going to help the special teams and the readdition of somebody like Tarveris Moore is going to help as well. And also running backs, um, so if you want to make this team, you got to go help on special teams. Jeff Wilson, Jr., a good special teams player. I expect TDP and Trey Sermon to also play on special teams. Those things are going to be important. Uh, so when you're looking at these players, we always look at their skill sets amongst the position players, but it matters for them on special teams as well. Uh,
1: it really does, and It really, really does. But TCC, what do you think? Let us know in the comment section down below right now, live chat. Drop some positions in there. Did you agree? Did you Do you have it broken down just like this? 24 offensive players? 26 on the defense? three in the special teams, Ant, for the, the total 53-man roster? Or are you like Mr. Corey, who's saying, no, 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 no. We cut Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, I forgot about Kyle Juszczyk, Ant, so it's fine. We keep Kyle Juszczyk in that room. We don't let Jordan Mason come in. We keep four total running backs and add an additional defensive lineman, uh, which he is using specifically for Kevin Givens in this scenario based on our breakdown. Uh, we want to know. We want to know from y'all what you think about this team, how it's going to how it's going to play out based on the current 90 names that you
0: have. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think that I want to know how everyone feels that this is going to go. There's going to be some decisions that need to be made, but uh, training camp is going to decide. You know, which one of these guys actually make it, and how this 53-man roster ultimately looks like. And let us know. You know, what positions do you want us to focus on when we're at training camp? Going to be out there watching, and is it the you know is the interior offensive line that you're the most focused on? Is it going to be the cornerback, the nickel position? Is it safety? Uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So just let us know what you want overall, because it's going to be a lot of conversation coming from training camp.
1: It's true, uh, it's very very true, Mr. Corey. Remember when Bowman was playing special teams? I do, I do remember that. Uh, Tassio. I know Dante Whitner said that playing starters on special teams made a big difference on their Super Bowl run. Um, and look, you can find a way to bridge those things. Last year, towards the end of the season. Uh, When you started making your while that's bold predictions for the special teams, and you kept talking about how there's nothing to hold back at this point. They're going to start playing some of these guys in multiple spots and starters are going to be playing on special teams to make sure they have the best players out there. They did. And then they started fulfilling while that's bold predictions.
0: Yeah. There's going to be some guys that are going to have to do that. I mean, there's going to be some guys that are going to be starters and also have to contribute on special teams, but you're trying to keep that to a limited amount because you don't want them taking extra snaps. You want them to stay as healthy as you can during the game. Uh, but you have understanding of what you need to do. And I'm curious what Brian Snyder's, you know, uh, overall special teams is going to look like compared to what we've seen with Richard Hightower. I think it's going to be more aggressive and some of that aggressive nature could be him going to Kyle Shannon and say, Hey, we need these guys. Let me have these guys. So that way they can make an impact on special teams. Go pack. Yeah. Go pack. Go. go pack.
1: Go pack. Go. Uh, our defense is going to be B says David via. I, I would agree with you on this. It really does. Uh, JLA catching up. What is up with Brunskill?
0: Yeah, the report from Akash was that you know maybe he was going to end up starting on the pup list uh, because of the knee tendinitis and the injuries that sure. he had had. He did not, of course, uh, participate in OTAs or minicamp, so it's a question mark. I'm hoping that we're going to see him out there on Wednesday, but I don't know for sure. Just thought I would go ahead and put that out there. It's something that I saw that I read. I don't know you know, what the validity of it is. I think it's just it's something that's being talked about right now, so we'll see if it happens, but I'm hoping is going to be out there and ready to go.
1: I uh, would hope so as well. And, and Tassio, just not Ayuk catching punts.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, with you. I, I'm, I'm done with the Brandon Auk experiment never, never, as, a, as a return guy, but I'm not done with Brandon Auk going out there and catching touchdown passes nope. from Trey Lance. Hopefully that happens. Ray Ray McLeod holding the football because I think he could be an excellent return guy for us.
1: Agreed. As long as it's Ray Ray and not B.A. back there with punts, Ant. The 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 Colts game,
0: that was it for me. I do want to give uh, Brandon Auk, though, the... The love of him getting better as the season went on. Agreed. Uh, because there was there was times where it was a real struggle. He let the ball hit the ground too much, but he did start to secure the catch. He did. Uh, and he started making better plays. So he got better. So let's at least give him credit for that. But in the same regard, hey hey uh, Ray Ray. Hey Ray Ray. Handle the business. We hey. want you to do it. Ray Ray. Yeah.
1: Get back there and catch putts today, please. I don't want BA back there. No. Not not. I I don't dislike Brendan Ayuk. I love BA. I love everything about BA, the football player and. I don't love Ba the punt returner.
0: Yeah, no, it's my I mean, least favorite it, version. It, it didn't work tonight. out. It was it was a nice try. It just it didn't work out, and I don't think it really helped him as far as his uh you know play, playing yeah, yeah, on yeah. as a wide receiver as well. No. Um, I think he's gonna have some nice chemistry with with uh, Trey Lance. So I'm excited about it.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. And thank you everyone. Uh, great shows. The great shows are fantastic. Um, you guys are cool AF from Mr. Corey. Uh, best in the West from David Campbell. Um, really appreciate that thank you guys
0: yeah thanks to everyone you know that had such nice things to say and uh chat was exciting today chat was really good i had a a lot of fun i'm looking forward to you know talking about training camp and everything that's going to be going on um so make sure you tune in when we have you know those talks and conversations about what's going on at training camp i'm going to be out there on wednesday and thursday watching uh, so I'll bring some reports back, and we'll have some fun conversations about it.
1: And I'm hoping to be able to get there this weekend. We'll we'll see what happens, or a weekend coming soon, hopefully. And we'll we'll find out what ends up happening, how this thing starts to play out, how this team starts to take shape. And what guys are getting the edge up early in this training camp process heading into that first preseason game. So that way you all know what to be looking out for in the first preseason game because there'll be some matchups to watch, some players to watch, and maybe some some guys that surprised. Last year, Trent Sherfield, Juwan Jennings, two of the bigger surprises at the wide receiver position coming into and out of camp. Maybe it'll be a different position group this year.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it could be a new position group. And I think a lot of conversation, just as Pedro was saying, is a lot of focus is going to be on that offensive line and how it looks and uh, part of the way they're going to give Trey Lance extra time is to be able to run the football we're going to be able to see it in training camp if they're going to be able to do that and if they are maybe they'll give Trey Lance enough time to be able to operate and if they can build that running game like 2019 like Kyle Shannon possibly was saying that would be really good uh,
1: it'll be extremely exciting we'll catch you on the next one Cutback crew and uh Ant I think it's about that time
0: yeah it's that time let's chalk another one up catch you later TCC
1: oh boy